Good morning. And welcome. We had, a, we had some kids that couldn't find their seat because their seat's orange. So they found their seat, though. So I just thought I'd pass it along. Uh, anyways, that was funny. Um, that song reminded me a lot of Wednesday night's class. One of the, one of the key things, the elements of Wednesday night's class was Jesus being Lord. And those who, who call him Lord should recognize his authority, uh, the creation that he, had, that he caused, the creation that he did, the, the role in, in our lives, and respect him for it. But the world doesn't call him Lord. Lord doesn't, the world doesn't call God Lord, and you see it time and time again. But we've come together to, to worship him for being Lord. We're here to set aside the world, at least for an hour or so, set aside the cares. I know that's not always easy to do, to set aside maybe health problems, uh, problems with family, uh, mental health problems, money. You know, the world chases you, but uh, you're safe here. You're safe here right now with God, and we're gonna take some time to, to praise him for that. And uh, as we do that today, we're gonna, we're gonna have some prayers. We're gonna have some times to, to talk to God. And our, our prayer leaders are just that, and they're just leading a prayer. Maybe they'll give you some ideas on their own, to touch your own heart to talk to God about, to, uh, to alleviate some of the cares of the world. We're also gonna have a uh, message from Matt. Matt's gonna talk about some more of the fruit of the spirit. He's gonna talk about kindness today. Uh, kindness is one of those elements that we look for in I look for it in our friends. We look for it in our spouses. Uh, it's hard to find sometimes in the world. But kindness is one of those elements that God puts in us. This evening, he's going to talk about goodness. And goodness is different than kindness, although I'd want both of those in a spouse. I'm lucky enough to have that. Um, but tonight's going to be a little bit different as he talks about goodness. So we have a little bit of that. Uh, we're also going to have, well, as we've already started, we've started singing. That's our chance to praise God. It's our chance to speak the truth about God to the people around us. It's, just come, it's a chance to come, have it come out of our own hearts, out of our own mouths, to say things about God we may not say all the time. So it's a time to do that. We'll also have the Lord's Supper, uh, the communion, to remember his sacrifice, to remember the blood that washed away our sins. Each week we have a different theme for our communion. We have some slides to give you a little time to, to think about and contemplate what Jesus means to us. This week, it's about the ransom that he paid on our behalf. That ransom that keeps us from dying, keeps us from being kidnapped by the world, by Satan, and frees us up to be with God forever. So that'll be with the communion. One of the other acts of worship that we do is also giving. Uh, money's a dirty topic, and the world loves to talk about it. But that's something we do to keep the word spread, to keep as it spreads here at North Brevard, it spreads to our community, spreads to far off places like Madagascar and Mali and Nicaragua and prisons here in, here in the state of Florida. And uh, so anyways, we have a chance to worship God in many ways that will call him Lord and show that he's Lord of our lives. We go with me to the prayer before we uh, get started. Dear Lord, we are thankful for you. We're thankful that you are approachable. We're thankful for your role in our lives. We're thankful on, for the way that you show, shape us. And Father, we, we're thankful that you've given us a way to let that shine. Let that light shine around us in a world that is so dark. Let that light shine to bring others to you. Father, help us to, to grow in um, kindness. Help us to grow in love. Share that far and wide. Father, be with each of us this morning as we worship you. May we set aside the cares of the world. May we concentrate on your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before our opening prayer this morning, number 961, please. There is a bomb in Gilead.
Let us bow. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in love. Brothers, sisters, families, friends, newcomers. Thank you, Father. It's a good opportunity to love up on each other. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, all of which we're not worthy of. Hey, we're really excited, really excited about you and what lies ahead. Father, we thank you for being there as we endure trials and tribulations and stresses in our lives. You are that light. And it is something, it is something to come through those those moments, those situations, and come out the other end, a changed person, a better person, a stronger person, a person who better understands how to grow. Please, Father, touch us. Keep our hearts open and willing, willing to let our light shine as we go throughout life, not just here among friends, but out there throughout the world. There's so many people who need your love, need to know that there is a way, there is a path. Please be with the brother who preaches the message today. May do, they may do it in a way that touches our heart and we're able to apply to our lives. Name of the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and King. Amen. To help prepare our minds for communion, number 593, consider him. Surrounded by those who have traveled this road, we throw all the day and intervening clothes, the sin and tangles we lay aside, and run with our eyes on the For those of us that have spent time in the Old Testament, as you read through it, it's very easy for us to recognize that God had a plan from the very beginning. All the way through the Old Testament, God used situations and people to ensure that the plan to bring Jesus Christ to this earth was going to take place, that we was going to have a way of being saved, a way of having our sins forgiven, and a way that we would have a path forward. 
As we come together here this morning, we're coming together to remember the life, the perfect life that was given for us, that example for us that we should try to attain to, and the unselfish sacrifice, the willingness that he made to die upon the cross, to give up his life, and to shed his blood for our sins. We do that in partaking of these two emblems of the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. As we take time to do that this morning during this worship, let's put all those things aside that clutter our hearts and our minds. And let's focus on the most important thing, the most important gift that we were given, and that's the ability to be saved and to live a life to spend in eternity with God. Let's pray as we partake of the unleavened bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for your son's life that was given for us. We thank you for that example, that sinless example. We pray, Father, that uh, we would look into our own lives as we partake of this emblem and Seek to always emulate that life that was given for us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let's continue in prayer as we partake of the fruit of the vine. Father, we know that you have shown your power in the way that you have guided men and women in situations, Father, to ensure that there was a path forward for Jesus to come to this earth. And we thank you, Father, for that great gift. We especially thank you, Father, for his willingness to die upon the cross and to shed his blood, to wash us of our sins, not only our sins in the past, but our sins forward, Father. We have that blood that can cleanse us of our sins if we would repent and change. Be with us now as we partake of that emblem of that shed blood. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. At this time, we also have an opportunity to give back of the many blessings that we have received. We give back of our physical blessings, our, our money to ensure that we have the resources to reach out to the world and to help people that are in need, that are suffering in physical ways. But I'd like to remind you all that you also have time, you also have talents. Each of you have capabilities that can help spread the word. You may not be able to teach or want to teach, but you can influence others by spending time with them and fellowshipping with them and, and uh, spreading the word through very different ways that uh, all of you have talents to do. Um, and as we give, let's keep them Keep our minds open to other ways that we can give during the week as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for all those blessings you give to us. We pray, Father, that we would always be good stewards of those blessings that you give to us. Stewards in a way that we would share and help others on their path. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Good morning, tell we reading Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? 
but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. At this time, children may go to their classes. Our hymn before the lesson this morning will be number 448, The Greatest Commands. Would like for you to stand for this hymn, if you would, please. And when we're all together on the fourth round, let's, in a figurative sense, open the ceiling of the church with our voices to heaven. So we're continuing our series on the fruits of the Spirit. Today we are on kindness, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Kindness. Some of you are naturally kind. Some of you were born kinder than others. Some of you have certain times where you're kind and certain times where you're never kind. Some of you really struggle with kindness. I'm not going to tell you which one I am. I'm just going to let you guess. When is it hard to be kind? It should, today, to this Sunday, should be the hardest for me to preach, the easiest for you to understand. Kind is something that we experience 
pretty much every single day. Hopefully, in some way, some shape, some form, every single day you have received some sort of kindness, whether it's a sweet word from somebody you love or just something as simple as opening the door for someone or, or being that person that gets the door open for you. There are so many easy ways to receive and experience kindness. But it can be really hard to be kind, too. Like when someone does you wrong. Like when someone talks behind your back. Spreads false witness or slanderous remarks about you. Threatens your family. Is that a time where you're going to be like, oh, no problem, I can be kind. Maybe even threatens your existence. Those are times where it's not so easy to be kind. I have been in one wreck in my life. In that wreck, thank the Lord, it was on a very slow road. But the guy never stopped at the stop sign and we were very close to being T-boned. I slammed on my brakes, he kind of went by, but I just couldn't avoid him. I had my kids in the car. It's a scary moment for me. And the weirdest thing happened. I got out of my car after I made sure my kids were okay. I got out of my car and I, I should have been the one that was upset. I'm not, the one that did, I'm not the one that didn't yield to the stop sign. I'm not the one that, that caused the accident. But the weirdest thing happened. I got out to check on the man who had ran the stop sign and hit my family. My kids were crying in the car. In his defense, he was bleeding. It probably was a little scary for him too. But the first, his first reaction was to get upset with me. I have to tell you, my first reaction was to be extremely kind. And wouldn't that be yours? You had your kids in the back of the car. Somebody just ran a stop sign, hits you, and you get out of the car after you check on your kids to make sure he's okay. And the first thing he does is pretty much look at you and say, in other words I won't use right now, why did you hit me? Then the most amazing thing happened right after that. So, so I was literally struggling with, I was, I was trying to be, Matt, the minister, Matt, the dad, Matt, the ticked off person that just got hit in the truck. And I was trying to manage that, to be honest. And then this, this moment happens where it's like, all of a sudden I'm getting yelled at. And, and, and it's just in that moment where I'm trying to get my head around what's going on. All of a sudden, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you this too, this is a, we're in a part of town. I won't give you the names and exact locations, but we're in a part of town that's not known to be the nicest part of town. In fact, it's a place where you better actually be careful. It's that part of town. And right as this guy's yelling at me, people started pouring out of their houses. And they started pouring out of their houses to see what was going on. They heard a big crash. They, my windows are down. They probably heard me scream. I didn't scream. I'm just kidding. I did. And I did the parent, the parent thing to do. The problem was my kids were in the back seat, but I still tried to like shield them. The people started to pour out and they started to take care of everybody. 
as I said, my kids are crying in the truck. Some people come over and they started consoling my kids. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. The man was bleeding all over the place. People ran back and got their first aid kit and were out there bandaging up. I mean, the, the scene was being cleaned up before the cops could ever even get there. And in that moment, before I could ever say anything, because believe me, I had about 10 different things I was thinking. 10 different pieces of my mind, right, that I wanted to give him. Before I could ever get to that point, the people's kindness was literally diffusing the situation. Unfortunately, when things like that happen, you have to go to court. In court, the man who was not very kind to me at the scene completely agreed with me in that moment. And I was just thinking, you ever have one of those moments where you were literally about to lose it, where you were about to not show kindness? But out of nowhere comes somebody else bringing the kindness to the situation and watch it just diffuse in front of your eyes. That is really, I mean, for me, it was one of the greatest examples of kindness I've ever experienced. I watched people who absolutely knew neither of us just out of the kindness of their heart come out and start taking care of everybody that was involved in the situation. They weren't worried about who was right and wrong. They just wanted to be kind. And two people that were about to go at it, it never even got there. But when somebody's wronged you, man, it is, it is, it is a hard time to be kind. It is, and, it, and it can be shocking even. So I was thinking, how do you explain something to somebody? How do you explain something today that everybody already knows? Like, it's kind of hard to get excited for a sermon on kindness, isn't it? Oh, like... Cool, I understood this concept in, in kindergarten. I guarantee you we're going to talk about somebody that most of you, have, if you know, you forgot his name. If you remember, if you know his name, you probably don't know exactly how to say it. You have to sneeze when you say it to do it right. But David, and we're going to get to Saul, but David has become king. 2 Samuel 9, David's become king. Verse 1 says, and David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So we remember, Saul, not so nice to David. We're going to go through that a little bit. Jonathan, Jonathan loved David. Jonathan was best friends with David. And Jonathan played an instrumental part in being kind and gracious and even saving, if you will, David. But at the same time, when Jonathan has that moment with David, he doesn't pick sides. It's not like he left his dad, Saul, and went and joined David. No, in fact, Jonathan, Jonathan dies fighting for his dad. That's how he dies. Along with almost every other one of Saul's sons. That's how they die. They didn't leave him. They stayed with him. But this moment, this, this kind moment, this beautiful relationship, this best friend of David, even well after everybody's dead and he's now king, he still remembers him. He still remembers him. And he says, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there still someone of the house of Saul that I must show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of none other than Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. Now if you're crippled in your feet at this point in time, 
probably not going to be the easiest life for you. You're probably not going to um, be able to generate the type of wealth and health and security that the normal person can do. Not to mention, you know, your, your, your family kind of lost everything. So all your wealth that you had because your dad, your grandpa used to be king and your, and your dad used to be a prince, that's all gone. Everything is gone. Through enemy, through civil war, everything's gone. They've been stripped of everything. They have nothing. But Jonathan has this son that the world's forgot about. He's crippled. He has went from being rich to having nothing. And the king says, where is he? And Ziba says to the king, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Emil, at Lodabar. And, and this is where you have to sneeze, Mephusheth, the son of Jonathan. That's how you have to say it. Son of Saul came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Now I want you to, I want you to imagine this moment if you are him, if you are Mephibosheth. Imagine if you're him. What he must have felt like when he realized that the king, King David, not just anybody, King David was coming and saying, hey, you, you need to come and see me. You think he was happy? You think he was excited? You think he was anticipating this moment with David? I think he was probably terrified. I think he was probably expecting some pretty bad news. I mean, after all, his grandpa in 1 Samuel 18 tried to kill him. Saul tries to kill David. Not once, but twice David has to dodge spears that Saul's throwing at him. Then it's 1 Samuel 19. This is that moment where he tries to get his own son, Jonathan, David's best friend, to betray David so he can set him up and kill him. And Jonathan lets David know and David sneaks away. Good theme music. Another time in 1 Samuel 19. You would think David would learn his lesson the first time, but you know, every time... Saul is being tormented by these spirits, by this evil spirit. He wants to hear David play the harp. And David comes and obliges him over and over and over again. And it's the thing that can settle Saul down. But every now and then when Saul settles down, he also gets really ticked at David in the same moment. And before David can leave the room, Saul's chucking spears. Trying to kill him. Not once, but twice. It gets better. We're still in, we, 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 we haven't even went through two chapters. Saul says, sends a messenger to David and, and, and says, hey, I can't, I can't sleep, David. Come up to my bedroom. And David knows it's a trap. He's just going to sit in there waiting for him to walk into the dark room and then he's going to try to kill him. It's over and over and over. First Samuel 23, he's now hiding in the wilderness. And Saul seeks him in the wilderness to try to kill him. And again, in 1 Samuel 26, this isn't the same occasion. This is a second occasion in the same wilderness. And this time, he doesn't come by himself. He comes with 3,000 men. 3,000 trained men to kill David. So everywhere David goes, think about it now. Every, and for those of us who really know the history of David well, Think about the amount of trial, the amount of suffering, the amount of pain and torment that he went through in his life before he was king on behalf of Saul. It's not even just that he was trying to kill him. He was taking wives from him. Making him um, never have a place to stay and live and get comfortable. Imagine that. 
Imagine if you had to become a nomad tomorrow. Imagine if you had to actually spend time living with the enemy. Because it was safer than living at home. This is David's life. This is what for sure Mephibosheth knew about his relationship between his grandfather and David. And now the king's summoning him. And by the way, he's the last remaining heir of that entire side. It's a good chance he could create a faction and try to come back and take the throne for his family. I mean, that's not uncommon in history, is it? So in 2 Samuel 9, verse 7 says, And David said to him, Do not fear. Do not fear. Why? Because he probably was afraid. All that history, you'd be afraid. You'd be nervous. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be excited to go and see David in this moment. You'd be thinking, oh, great. What's he want from me? He's probably going to kill me. <clears throat> he says, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? You see, that's the life he's in. What have I done that you would be like this to me? What am I even worth? There's not much I'm even worth at this point in my life. I'm crippled and I have nothing. Why would you treat me this way? So this is what he does. Just look at the yellow parts. He gives him his house. He gives him all the land of, uh, that Saul had before. And then he commissions the servants of Saul's house to go and live on that land and prosper that land so that Mephibosheth could have wealth. But he does, Mephibosheth doesn't go home. Because this is where David, and this is what I think really illustrates kindness, because kindness goes that extra step. Tonight we're talking about goodness, and goodness really has to do with righteousness more than it does kindness like compassion, like empathy, like um, showing that extra amount of care for someone. But this is that extra level. Mephibosheth, he doesn't go home to fend for himself. David makes him a room in his house. And for the rest of his days, he eats at the table with David, just like one of his own sons. See, David doesn't just take him and restore his wealth and restore his name. David brings him into his own house and makes him a son. Gives him a place at his own table, feeds him the rest of his life, gives him the safety and security of living with the king. That's what he does. I started thinking about this and realized, you know, this is exactly the kindness of God to us. Except for the differences, the differences, Mephibosheth, he was guilty by association. I haven't read anywhere in scripture where he actually tried to do anything to David himself. But scripture makes it very clear for us that when we sin, when we give ourselves over to evil, when we're not following God and we're following the ways of the world, that we've actually become an enemy of God. It makes it clear. So it's not guilty by association, it's guilty by your own doing. But this is exactly what God does to us. You see, we should be, Romans 5, enemies of God. But through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has changed us from enemies to what? Heirs. Sons and daughters. 
children of God. John 14, 2, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go and prepare a place for you in that house of many rooms. See, God is not just taking you as that enemy full of sin, full of evil, that person that doesn't always follow him and saying, here, have a mansion over on the other side of town. He's bringing you into his house, his dwelling place. Right? Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a, fe a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. Skip down to verse 8. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. When is that going to be? Sounds like Revelation, doesn't it? And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, and the, for the Lord has spoken. He's talking about a feast that happens... When we're in heaven, Matthew 8, I tell you, many will come east to west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about a feast where you will sit at the table, not only with God himself, but with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the amazing people that you've read about in the Bible. You're going to be part of that table too. Jesus said that. He also said this. After they got done taking the Lord's Supper, what did he promise the disciples? I'm not going to take this again until when? Until I drink it anew with you in heaven. In my Father's house. At the table of the Lord. And then one last one, 1 John chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. That's the type of kindness that God has displayed to each and every single one of us. What did you do to deserve it? What have I done that you would be so kind to such a dead dog like me? That's the kindness of God. He says, it's not about what you did. It's about what I'm doing for you. Can you get to that place yourself? Can you get to that place yourself? See, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, God's spirit dwelling in us, us housing a piece of God that is changing us from the inside out and our responsibility because there are places you can go with your relationship with God that you can't get there on your own. God's going to have to get you there. That's why he gave us his spirit. But our responsibility is to keep the soil cultivated so that the fruit can grow. Let me finish this real quick. Beloved, we are God's children now. What will we be what we will be has not yet appeared, but what we know, what, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We're going to be face to face with God. We're going to be face to face with God. In the house of the Lord, reclining at his table with all that great cloud of witnesses. It's going to be the, it's going to make my family's Thanksgiving look like nothing. And for those of you who know, there's like 50 of us, so. Titus 3, he sums this, this up really good. He says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, this being Paul, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. You see, that's one thing you have to admit, and you're going to see both these elements. When you think back to David, what did David show? Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. What did he show him? He showed him grace, and he showed him mercy. He could have killed him. Would anybody have stopped him? He was king. He could have killed him. He had every right to kill him. For goodness sakes, people in, the, people in that guy's family have been trying to kill me my whole life. They've led a civil war. 
could have killed him. When he doesn't kill Saul, do you remember why he doesn't kill Saul? He had multiple chances to kill Saul. Do you remember why he doesn't kill Saul? Because Saul was the anointed one of the Lord. God anointed Saul through Samuel to be king. So even when David had opportunities to kill him, he refused to because it was his rightful place because God put him there. What about Mephibosheth? Is there anything protecting him? Oh, he could have killed him. He didn't. Showed him mercy. But then he gave him what he didn't deserve by bringing him into his house. This is, ex again, exactly what we're talking about. Verse 5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. If you can only be kind to people because of the good things they do to you, that's like saying you're suffering because you did something bad. Remember when Paul talked about that? If you suffer for doing something bad, great. Everybody suffers when they do something bad. Completely different when you suffer for doing something good. In the same way, if you can only be kind to somebody when they're doing good to you. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Sons and daughters of the King. So i got three quick take-homes. One, be kind and never forget God's kindness to you. Be kind. Be kind. What a novel concept. Be kind. You right now in present time are in the South. We used to be known for our kindness and our manners and our hospitality. Be kind. It's really not that hard to do. And if you're struggling to be kind, then never forget God's kindness to you. Don't forget, he went way above what was expected. We all have been treated so much better than any of us deserve. And you know, this is important to realize because you don't always feel like that. When you're going through struggle, when you're having hardship, and sickness. It doesn't always feel like that. When you lose someone you love, battling things like depression, it doesn't always feel like that. You don't always feel like, man, my life is way better than I deserve. Well, God didn't promise you that in this life, that your life was going to be way better than you deserve. But he did promise you, and he has already guaranteed you that your eternity will be. God has treated you way better than you deserve. Don't forget that. Micah 6, 8, he has told you, a man, what is, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness. Do you love it? Everybody loves it when they receive it. Do you love to give it? It's amazing to be kind. Here's the mystery in this scripture. You can actually become somebody who loves to be kind. You can love it and walk humbly with your God. Second take home. Allow God's kindness to work on your own heart. Allow it to work on your own heart. Kindness does not come from soil that is bitter, vengeful, spiteful, or angry. Has anybody decided in a moment of spite, in a moment, in a moment where you were ready to take revenge, in a moment where you were super angry, in a moment where you, you were struggling with bitterness, has anybody ever decided in those moments, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the kindest thing I've ever done in my life. Now that's usually when you rip somebody's head off. That's usually when you give somebody a piece of your mind. That's usually when you're at your least kind moments. Get rid of that stuff in your life. Get rid of it. Bitterness pollutes not just your body, but the people around you. It's contagious. It spreads. If you're a parent and you're bitter all the time, guess what you're going to notice if you're paying attention? Your kids will get bitter too. 
It'll be really hard for them to find something that's right in this world too. If you're a boss and you're bitter all the time, before long, your employees aren't going to treat you that great either. You know why? Because they're going to be bitter too. Anybody ever have a bitter boss before? Hard to work for. And you go down that list. These don't lead us to a place of kindness. Get rid of this stuff in your life. Give it to God. When people do you wrong, give it to God. God says in his own word, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Just give it to God. Let God handle it. Don't let this stuff get in your heart. Don't harbor this stuff in your heart. Let it go. The only thing it's doing is destroying you. The only thing it's doing is tearing you down. And in the process, it's using you to tear down others as well. Luke 6, 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart, I wish it said kind, but it doesn't, produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. And out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Are your words kind? If your heart's kind, your words will be kind. If your heart's good, your words will be good. Are they bad? Are they constantly talking bad about everything? Is the world just so terrible and every, all you can ever see are the things that are going wrong in your life? Don't harbor that stuff in your heart. See how all these fruits kind of build on each other? Last but not least. And here's the truth. At least at the beginning, kindness takes a conscious effort. You have to actually choose to be kind. Somebody didn't, well, everybody's been, you know, everybody's been in that situation where you went and you opened the door. I mean, I think everybody, I've been in this situation a ton of times. So maybe I'm the one who just opens doors the most. But everybody has been in that situation where you went to open the door for one person and it turned into like 30 people. I learned this a long time ago. When you're going to the restaurant, the first person you open your door, the door for is not the other person, it's for your wife. Then whoever follows, she's at least beating them up to the register to get your name on the list. That's a joke, but let somebody laugh. Um, but you've been there. Well, once you go to open that door, you don't know how many people are going to come in, but you've already made the decision. You're going to hold the door for kindness is a conscious effort. It at least starts in a place where it takes thinking and making choices to be kind. It takes a place where at times you're going to have to overlook things that you have every right. David had every right to be in a different mindset than he was. He just made the choice to look at things differently. And he changed. Remember David was a man after God's own heart? These are those moments. He wasn't perfect. But even in all the craziness of his life, he never lost his way and he never lost his heart for God. That's why even after all the terrible stuff he went through on behest of Saul, he still wanted to honor his own son, Jonathan. So start simple. Maybe you're not ready to forgive people who have wronged you. I get it. That's a hard thing to do. Maybe somebody's wronged you and you're waiting on them to come and reconcile with you. Maybe sometimes you just have to forgive and move on because the reconciliation isn't coming. And maybe then later on you can still be kind even though the reconciliation never came. These are the heavier things. But you can build by doing simple things of kindness. Saying a kind word. You know how much a kind word means to somebody? Especially when they're in a bad place. Especially when they're in a struggle. Open the door. Put others before yourself. 
Because at the end of the day, without God's loving kindness, we'd all be in trouble. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the blood of Christ, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, been added to the kingdom of God, had your sins washed away? Jesus is the only way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. He's the only name that saves. Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? For those of us who have, do we love kindness? Do we love it? Keep your soil fertile so that God can bear this fruit in your life. Don't allow bitterness, vengefulness, spitefulness, anger to dirty up your soil. And kindness will come. And you know what's the most amazing thing? Once you start to be kind to others, it will literally revolutionize. It will change your life because it's awesome and fun and, and, and just good to be kind. It makes life better. Not just for you, but even for those around you. So let's be kind and show God's love through our kindness. If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. each of you being here this morning to worship with us. Uh, before we close, I have a few announcements. Actually, I have a lot of announcements. Um, our food pantry is open tomorrow, uh, and in going along with that, we have an extra large amount of bread and pastries to bag this morning. If you could stay and help with that for a few minutes, it would really help. We will be installing Brent Fitzgerald on March 5th as an elder of our congregation. We'd ask that you pray for him and please be here to be a part of that on March 5th. Yesterday we signed a contract with a buyer for the Malibu Court home that the church owns. Uh, if you have questions about that, any of the details, please see one of the elders and we'll try to answer your questions. Please, please, if you haven't turned in one of the survey forms yet, please do that today. If you lost one or you never got one, we have some more. We'll be glad to give you one. As you can tell, we are packing the pulpit this month with some targeted items. We're looking for donations of 12-ounce cans of chicken, and five ounce cans of tuna to be given out next month through the food pantry. Recently, Alvin brought some macaroni salad that was a very special recipe of Maxine. Many of you liked it and you wanted a copy of that and there are some that look like this in the, on the table in the foyer. Please pick one up if you'd like. I have some additions to our sick list. Uh, Carol O'Neill suffered a fall this week. She has no broken bones, but is very bruised up. She has a black eye and lots of other scrapes. 
She's in a lot of pain, so please keep her in your prayers. Both Brent and Wanda Fitzgerald have COVID. Please keep them in your prayers. We have several that have upcoming surgeries. Uh, Chris Griffin will be having back surgery on February 28th. Gail Griffin will be having surgery on March 7th. And Pat Ortkees will be having shoulder surgery in the near future. Please keep all of them in your prayers. We also have several down this morning with uh, respiratory type infections, a lot of coughing and stuff. Uh, Sue Underwood and Amanda and Gail are all unable to be out with us today. Please pray for all those on your sick list. If you will, please stand for our closing hymn and for the prayer which will follow. Father of Thank you so much for the freedom and opportunity to meet here again this morning to open your great book to study another portion of it. We thank you for the ones that are able and well enough to come out this morning. We're always mindful of those that are not able to be here, those who are mentioned on the, in the announcement that you'll be with them, comfort them as only you, the great physician, can do. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Mediator. As we depart here today, Father, be with us, keep us all safe, and help us all to try to be back tonight at the appointed time. May the things we say and do bring honor and glory to your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.